pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 246. Today I'm going to chat with Adam, a.k.a. Hootie Who, discuss the ATF's revoking FFLs, highlight a new trigger group for the MP5, and talk about a Florida man who was arrested for calling 911. I am your host, Ava Flanell. Adam, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing well, except for, man, okay, so Colorado, I don't know if you've ever been to Colorado, but I swear the weather is bipolar. Today it's supposed to be 90 degrees, and then like two days later it's supposed to snow. I have not been to Colorado, but that sounds a lot like Tennessee. Uh, I hate it. So, you know how they usually say, I don't know if this is like how it goes in Tennessee, but they say like after Mother's Day, you're in the clear to turn your sprinklers on and plant flowers and stuff. Yeah. Is that what they say? So that's what I did. And now it's supposed to snow. And I'm like, awesome. Do I blow up my sprinklers? Do I cover up my plants? Like course like an idiot even though i'm selling my house i think i'm selling my house i don't know i haven't decided if i'm gonna rent it or sell it but i still planted plants because they bring me happiness and i'll still be here for the next three months but yeah i'm like man it's just never a dull moment it's always something that you have to do ours is about the same you can never count on it it'll say 100 percent chance rain and then not rain then it'll say zero percent and then it will rain right Yeah. And I keep looking at the forecast to see if it's going to change because it's just hard to believe. Like, how does it go from literally 90 degrees to, you know, okay, that's Peaches trying to her little rough in the background. Peaches has to, you know, has to make her voice heard. But yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, so before we get into talking about what is that you do real quick, Smith and Wesson, They just released a new version of their MMP-15, the Volunteer Rifle. It's the Volunteer 15, which is weird that it's called the 15. But anyways, comes with a 16-inch FR barrel, A2 front sights, flip-up rear sights. Comes with the BCM Gunfighter 4-in with the M-Lock for your accessories and a nice grippy texture, almost like stippling. The popular B5 Systems Bravo stock and pistol grip finish off the furniture. Uh, They also come straight from the factory with a flat face trigger. It's really a great upgrade for any AR, and they're only $1,049. You can check out more about this rifle at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Adam, we met recently in Arizona on the reloading event. And if you guys follow me on social media, you noticed that I posted some videos where I'm reloading, which is definitely a change of pace for me. I've never reloaded at all in my life, which was this the first time for you reloading? Yes, I have never loaded a single round in my entire life. I wouldn't have guessed that because you sat right behind me and either you listen really well or you learn quickly, not me. <laughs> well, and- <laughs> I was I was super like really interested in it. I've been interested in it a long time. A lot of people have been telling me that I need to get into it. So I was I was all about it, trying to soak up, you know, as much info as I could while we were 
sitting there with the experts, you know? Yeah. Well, I noticed that, yeah, you were like quick, you know, to work and figure things out. And I'm just like, hello, hi, can I get some help over here? <laughs> oh my, so, no, I'm pretty sure I asked just as many questions. I mean, I was absolutely clueless what to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. I took quite a bit away from that. But before we get into that, I just want to go back to what got you started. So Hootie Who is your YouTube channel. And that's essentially yep. what you do in this industry is you put out a video like every day, right? Yeah, as, as much as I can, sometimes two a day. Gosh, that's crazy. What got you started doing this? Because initially it wasn't about firearms, right? Your YouTube channel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of a I don't know if it's an interesting story, but uh, maybe five and a half years ago, my wife says, hey, it's kind of ridiculous. These people are, you know, making a lot of money, millionaires just filming themselves every day. We should do it. And I said, OK, research a camera and I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. So that's literally what we did. We bought like a whatever Google said the best vlogging camera was at the time, I still use it. It's mm -hmm. like a like $500 Canon. Hmm. And that's literally what we did. You know, she would film cooking and we'd go to the zoo. And then slowly when I got time, I just started filming what I was doing, whether it was fixing a car, working on a motorcycle, you know, weed eating. And then I started to loop in the firearm stuff and those gun videos started getting more and more traffic, which is where we are today. Everything is, you know, 99% firearm stuff, which is one of my passions. But I literally went down that hole because those were the videos that were getting a bunch of views. Interesting. If, 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 if the weed eater and the lawnmowers and the motorcycle stuff took off, that's probably what the channel would be. And I'd just be shooting my guns off camera, but that's just the stuff that took off. So uh, that's mm. really what we focus most of our time on. Nice. Um, that's pretty cool. And then what made you guys come up with the name Hootie Who? So completely random, but about 12 years ago or so, I was working in a warehouse at night, picking orders on an assembly line. Mm -hmm. And that is what we would yell when the big wigs came around. So that was pretty much when somebody <laughs> yelled Hootie Who, that, that was, hey, everybody quit goofing off because somebody important's coming. That's hilarious. Huh. And so is that what you were doing before you started the YouTube channel is working on like an assembly line? Yeah. So I, I worked for the same company for a little over 10 years, a cell phone insurance company, another pretty random business to be in. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my first job at that company. Yeah. And then I also read that you actually have an MBA. Yeah. So. I, I come from the corporate world, you know, wearing the fancy clothes and sitting up in an office somewhere using big words and all that. I mean, so that's no, what I did, no did offense. for a living for a long time. No offense, but I would not expect that from you at all. Yeah, yeah. Nobody would. Right. So I'd get on meetings all day. And if I was working from home, my wife would come in. She came in one time and said, I literally do not know the person that I just heard in your office. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you didn't have your country accent and you were using big words. I never heard. Of. I said, yeah, that's, that's just me at work. Yeah. That's funny. But me, me on the, the YouTube channel is literally me being myself. There's no charades, no acting. It's just, let's turn the cameras on and, and do some stuff. Mm -hmm. Which is so much more refreshing. It's nice when you could just be yourself and relax. Right. 
Absolutely. You don't have to worry about what you're saying. Just be yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, before I got into the firearms industry, I was in New York City working for the New York Yankees. And, you know, same thing. I'd have to wear like dresses, suits every day. Yeah. I mean, it, it honestly, it sucked. And when I moved to Colorado and I was helping my dad with the family business, I was like, I don't even have clothes to wear. I literally went to Walmart and just bought clothes that I wouldn't mind getting dirty because my clothes at the time were like way too expensive. And that's they were just awesome. like, that's all I owned was like, you know, I mean, obviously I owned some jeans and stuff, but even the jeans were like too expensive to work in a shop. And so yep. I packed up my clothes, you know, and they've been in a box ever since. And let's face it, I probably don't even fit into them anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. I got a, a closet full of dress clothes. I couldn't tell you last time I wore. Yeah, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I just I prefer it. I I hate the corporate world. It's like it's so fake, and it's just it's also oh, nice it's that I could. Percent fake. Yeah, and you could do or say whatever you want. I mean, yeah, you're gonna probably piss off some people, some viewers, but you can still do or say whatever you want. You don't have to like answer to HR. And I love being my own boss. So. Yeah, and that's that's actually why I ended up quitting my job because corporate America has become so fake. The company I worked for they they could care less how hard you worked. Mm -hmm. They wanted people who were yes men and would just do whatever they were told. Yeah. Um, and, and I was all about doing the right thing and working hard, but they didn't want me doing the right thing. They wanted me doing what they told me. Exactly. To do. It was unethical and yeah, so on and so forth. Totally. So. And also I thought what was boring is depending on my spending habits and how much I made, I could predict exactly how much money would be in my bank account like six months down the road. And to me, it was like so yeah. boring. So I, yeah. you know, even now that I'm having the second house built and I'm like, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to wing this one? Like, all right. But I kind of like it. It's it. That's what pushes me to do better and to work harder. And when I'm sitting in a cubicle, just feeling like I'm wasting my life away, knowing exactly how much money is going to be in my bank account, you know, six months to a year from now, it was just like, Ugh, so boring. And I know some people like that stability, but to me, it's like, you know, I'd rather, I guess, be, you know, what's the word? Just challenged a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. You, you get out of it what you put into it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So you put out a video every freaking day, which is insane to me because we were just talking before the show started. We were talking about how like so many things go wrong with technology and oh, yeah. just my last two videos that I put on YouTube, the audio is horrible. First, I use my camera, my and I have a Canon as well. I have two Canons. And I've always had really good, you know, luck with the audio when I'm using like the little road mic on it. But yep. I don't know, maybe it's been a few years and finally the little like that little cord, you know, that attaches, maybe it's gone bad. So I have to replace that. But sure enough, the audio was horrible. And my editor, you know, had to fix the audio and kind of make it sound great, but it really wasn't that great. I mean, he did the best that he could do with what he was working with. And then the second video that I just put out, the last one, the Mantis one, I just used my phone because I was like, screw it. My phone never fails. Let's just do that. But you can hear all these like noises with the person holding the phone. And yeah, they I'm brush like, their shirt uh, or a car drives yes. by or the wind blows. So yeah. I can't even imagine putting out a video, not to mention the time that it takes to recording, editing, uploading. It's just it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's a mess. That's it. 
I get, I literally get that comment, you know, 50 times every day. I read every message, every comment, every day. I answer everything. And that 50 times a day, people say, oh, it must be nice to be a YouTuber. And I'm, Oh, God, I'm, get I'm, out of here. No, you, you literally have no idea. So yeah. First of all, it costs a fortune to do this stuff. Yep. And then on top of that, so last night I was up till three in the morning editing videos. After I did that. I was knew I was filming this morning, so I had to take two rifles apart, mount new optics on them, zero them, you know, bore sight them in the house. Mm -hmm. So then I went to bed at 4.30, and then I got up at 6.30 and got ready and went to work. So that's that's pretty much the norm yeah. uh, for me most days. Yeah. And also people are just like, oh, wow, it must be nice to get all this free stuff. Or like for me, they're like, must be nice to have an ammo sponsor. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it only took 10 years of working my ass off. And yeah. trust me, yeah. nothing is free. You do not like people think like, oh, I'm going to be a YouTuber or a quote unquote influencer. And overnight, like all this free stuff's just going to come in. And let's yeah. face it, you and I both know nothing is free. No. You, know, you work. You still have to do a lot of work to even just keep that sponsor and it's not as easy as it looks. And there, there's a thousand other people out there trying to do the same thing you're doing. So exactly. Yeah. So you, it's, you always have to step it up and, mm -hmm. and let people know that, hey, I'm really putting everything I've got into it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. Do you have any experience with primary arms? Because I know your whole thing is like you want to use products that like the average person could use as opposed to spending like $3,000 on an optic, which I personally, I wouldn't spend $3,000 on an optic unless yeah. maybe I did competition shooting. But even then I'm like, oh, it's got to hurt a little bit. And even guns, like $3,000 on a gun. I mean, that's a lot. Your whole thing is just like, you know, hey, you want to use and push what the average person you know, feels comfortable purchasing. And in my opinion, primary arms is perfect for that because not only are their price points great, but their quality is amazing as well. So it's funny you mentioned that. I literally just got my first primary arm scope. Uh -huh. I have not mounted it yet. I've looked through it, but I'm waiting to get a new rifle to mount it on. Ooh. But I well, just got my very first one. I think you're going to be really surprised by just the quality. It's their stuff is really nice. And even like their red dots, I mean, you can get some of their red dots. They're like $150 to maybe $200. I have them on all of my guns because honestly, like, so you were saying last night how you're like, okay, I'm going to record footage and, you know, you had to mount different optics. I personally, I hate changing out the optics on my guns. So it's yeah. like when I get a new gun, I'm like, let's just get a new optic because you know, some people love zeroing their guns in. I mean, it doesn't take that long, but it's still just one of those things where it's like, if I could avoid it, why not? And yep. so if I have an object for every gun that I get, I have lots of guns. It just makes my life a lot easier. And it's nice because primary arms, their optics are affordable. They work well, and I could afford to put them on all of my guns. And yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, if you guys are looking for a scope or red dot, they even have little like red dots now for pistols that are made from primary arms, definitely check it out. You could find those at primaryarms.com. If you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get a free one-piece scope mount with every primary arms optic that you purchase. 
Let's go back to Arizona. So first of all, was this the first time that you did something with uh, Caldwell, Frankfurt, Arsenal, Crimson Trace? Like any yes. of their trips? Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then this is probably the first time that you've stayed at that hotel, which I'm trying to think, what was it? St. Michael? Is that the hotel that they put uh, us up in in Prescott? Yes. Yes, I think so. Also, can we just talk about for a second? It's called Prescott. It's not Prescott which I always thought it was Prescott. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so the logo's like, oh, no, no, it's Prescott. And I'm like, oh, like Triscuit, okay. So here we are in Prescott, and I didn't realize how old Prescott was because the hotel that we stayed at, super old, apparently haunted. Super old. Yeah, then the restaurant that we ate at the first night and the last night that we were there, which was called the... Palace, I think. Yes, the palace. Yes. So it is, I've heard different things. So it's either one of the top five or the top 10 oldest restaurants in the US, which is pretty freaking old. And one thing that comes to mind is I'm like, how do people decide like, hey, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere, the middle of desert, we're going to set up a little town. Like, it'd be different if there was, like, water nearby, maybe some mountains. Like, okay, we can kind of take some shelter. It'll, you know, prevent the wind, whatever. But, like, middle of the desert, they're like, all right, we're going to set up shop, and we are going to build a little town here and call it Prescott. So that, to me, is, like, a little weird. But I just want to talk about my experience. So the first night, you actually sat next to me at a table at the restaurant. But right when I was walking in, I was telling another person that went, I was like, so it's so weird, like, I have just a weird vibe from the hotel. And this is before I even knew it was haunted. And I always bring my own soap because the soap at the hotel suck. It's like they don't even really wash. Like, so I always bring my own bar soap and I put it on the little bar soap thing, the dispenser in the shower. And I don't know, maybe like I'm putting other stuff away. Ten minutes later, it falls. I was like, well, that's weird because I looked at like the slant. It wasn't like slanted down or anything. I'm like, that is just so weird that it fell. So pick it up, put it back, you know, on top, like in the little soap dispenser thing that's built into the shower wall. Yep. And it ends up falling again. And so I was like, all right, that's just really weird. So I was telling somebody, I'm like, yeah, if I didn't know any better, I think my room was haunted, like kind of joking around. And then uh-huh. next thing you know, we're eating dinner. And I think the lady, she was the owner. She comes in and she was like, yeah, so I just want you guys to know you're eating at one of the oldest restaurants in the U.S. It's actually haunted. And she's telling us about all these ghosts and like how most of the ghosts are mean ghosts because there used to be lots of bar fights. People would end up dead. There's a jail down in the basement. The women's bathroom is extremely haunted. There's like a male ghost in there who's a pervert. And I'm just like, well, note to self, I'm not going to the bathroom. <laughs> there were bullet holes in the ceiling of that yes, place. Yes, yes. And I was like, what are the freaking odds? And I do not do well with like scary ghost stuff. I'll only watch a scary movie if somebody else is with me, but I don't do it alone. But I got to say, I mean, the event, they worked us so hard at the event that like by the end of the night, I was like, my ass is going to bed. I don't even care if this place is haunted. <laughs> And I was joking. I was like, well, I'm just going to take Ambien. So joke on you, like Ambien one goes zero. But yeah, I mean, just crazy the amount of history, you know, like if those walls could talk, just what took place there is just amazing. Yeah, super cool place to be. I'm not huge in the knowledge of that history, but they named off a bunch of like cowboy names that I was familiar with and had heard of. Yeah. And then they had like Whiskey Row. 
which I don't know. It was interesting. It was a cute little place. I don't think I'd live there, but it was definitely, you know, it was cute. Okay. So now let's talk about like the class that we took. Everyone got a Seekin precision rifle. And I forget the model, yep. actually. Do you remember the, the model? Havoc, it was called the Havoc Hit Rifle. Okay. So we got that. We got all sorts of equipment to reload from Frankfurt Arsenal, Vitavori, Burger Bullets. What was it? Lapua, Ammo, Brass. Trying to think some Wheeler tools, all kinds of yep. stuff. Like really, we got everything that you would need in order to go from the first steps to the last steps. So first thing we did, we took out our rifles, we fired five rounds, we went back, and then they told us, you know, the cleaning process, which I had no idea that you could actually clean brass with like walnut shells. And I'm trying to think, what were some of the other things that you could clean it with? It was like dish detergent, like Dawn dish soap. Yeah. Um, What else did they say? Like steel pins or something, I think they said. Yeah. All kinds of stuff that I didn't know. So you can clean it and depending on how long you clean it for it, it makes it shinier and then you'd have to take out the primer and that also was interesting and then they gave us new brass we primed it and then filled it up with gunpowder and the frankfurt arsenal the little scale thing was really interesting because it weighs every little i mean yeah. to the, the grain and the it did uh, a really intelidropper i think it's called the intelidropper yeah. yeah so that was cool And then you top it off with a bullet. But one thing that I didn't know, so I always knew you could increase the grain of powder, the amount of powder, you know, velocity, whatever. But I didn't know that you could also decide like how far you wanted to put that bullet or if you didn't want to put it as far and like crimping it and stuff like that to me was just like, oh, I didn't even realize. And then I also didn't realize how much each rifle varies. So we all had the exact same rifle. But when we were measuring to see how far that bullet went into the rifle from the bullet to the brass like the length of that it actually varied pretty significantly from everyone's yeah yeah it did big time that was pretty interesting to go around and talk to people and see what was working best for their rifle pretty cool yeah so then it kind of makes you think ultimately everyone is getting a different experience like they all ultimately have different guns even though we had the same gun essentially we had very different guns yeah and those are most people would consider Seekins a, a precision rifle. So we're talking yeah. about good stuff too. Yeah. Uh, but that that specific piece we were talking about in that part on that day was the jump between how far, how many thousands of an inch is the bullet going before it hits the rifling in the barrel. Super interesting to it, me. It is. On yeah. How it made a difference. I know. And what grouped better. Yeah, because then we did, let's see, what was it, six different rows? I think, yeah, it was six, so it was 30 rounds maybe. Yeah, I think so. And because I think we placed five rounds per target and there was six. No, there was five, so we did 25. Uh, So we did five rounds per target. On the target, there was five bullseyes, and then we could see, you know, which shot the better group, and then we would, you know, alter our loads. And we were only making changes every five thousandths of an inch, yeah. which you can't even, you wouldn't even be able to recognize it to the naked eye. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Also, we got to take home all of the stuff, which was awesome. Well, I just got contacted yesterday, you know, asked for my shipping address. So the question yep. is now that you have this reloading stuff, 
are you going to take up reloading? Oh, 100%. So a lot of what I do mm-hmm. is bolt action rifle stuff. So the mm. hunting calibers, the long range stuff. And I've been saving my brass for quite a long time. I've actually even bought some dies, like with the hopes and dreams that I would get into it. Oh, dang. Um, so absolutely. I've already got a ton of brass uh, sitting in my office. And can you just explain what dies are? Because I actually was always thinking dies were something completely different. Well, <laughs> I can't even give you a good answer. So <laughs> it's a little do hickey that goes on top of the press uh, that can do a, a number of different things. So yeah. we use dies to uh, seat the bullet into the brass right after we put the powder in. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's called a, a seating die. Yeah. And then we used a different die um, to knock the primers out. And at the same time, it was um, what did we call that? Forming the brass back to what it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I that, said. So, those are the dies, right? But I'm I'm just as much of a newbie as you are. I said in one of my reels on Instagram, I was like, and then we reconfigure the brass and somebody made fun of me for that. And I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever, I can't think of what it's called experts. either. So that's just as good of a <laughs> yeah. description as I can come up with. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was definitely fun. And then we got to take the guns out and shoot them. I got to shoot to a thousand yards. People who stayed later when the wind died down and like depending on where the sun was uh they were able to see the targets what was it like to 1400 or a little over 1400 1400. yeah Yeah. that was really cool and yeah i mean it was just it was a good class it was definitely informational and it was nice for me because i was definitely out of my element and i think that you know, if you're like me, eventually you're kind of like, all right, it'd be nice to like learn something new. And for me, this was definitely something new. And I learned a lot that I didn't know. And yeah, so really like shout out to Frankfurt, Arsenal, Caldwell, Crimson Trace, Vitavori, Burger Bullets, Lapua Ammo, uh, Gunsight, Wheeler Tools, and Seeking Precision for uh, putting that on. And also, while we're on that, something else kind of interesting to me. What? If you nerd, if you want to nerd out, nerd out on it for a second, like I tend to do sometimes in my videos. But so we all had the same rifles, right? We all at the last day loaded the same amount of powder. I think it was like forty-two point five grains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we recorded our dope out to a thousand yards, or the dial on our scope. Mm-hmm. Even those numbers were drastically oh, yeah. different. Yeah. Depending from person to person. So same rifle, same powder. Uh, Some of us use different. um, We loaded them to different overall case length or um, overall length. But um, some of our scope dials were drastically different, like over a mil sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's also actually a really good point, too. So interesting. And then it also makes me think. So, you know, we both do product reviews, but then how accurate are our if we were to do a product review on you know precision rifles because we're talking about you know depending on the person or the rifle we could be getting totally different experiences yeah i've actually got a a series on my channel where i it's i call it long range for dummies Uh where i'll take you know i think i've done 20 different cartridges so far literally what we did out there on that last day and recorded the dials on our scope Mm -hmm with a bunch of different calibers, you know, just like I call it 
long range for dummies. If you've never done it before, here's the baseline and here's the video footage proof of what worked for me. Like I literally dialed the scope to this and then hit the target at a thousand yards. But you always have to throw that caveat in there. This is my rifle and this is the exact ammo I'm using. And, you know, it might be 50 degrees colder where you are. You might be using a different bullet weight. So it's a good baseline, but everybody's going to be different. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. And but I think that that's also important to point out, you know. All right, taking a quick break talking about Mantis. Mantis has a new product to dry fire with for your AR. It's called the Blackbeard. The Blackbeard system's like a drop-in bolt carrier with a magazine to use with your existing trigger, which is nice, and automatically resets after each trigger pull powered by a battery in the mag. It lets you fire up to 10 dryer fire shots a second. Pretty crazy. And the bolt carrier also incorporates a laser, which you can pick between red, green, or infrared. The parts are also distinct red so that you know that you have the Blackbeard in your gun rather than your normal parts so that you're not going to confuse them you know, for one another. The different versions run from $200 to $250, which honestly, with the current price of like $556, that's going to pay for itself pretty quickly. So definitely check it out. It's mantisx.com. Let's talk about some of the other stuff that you do. You do like ballistic tests with different calibers. Like you said, you also use things like watermelons, cast iron skillets, coconuts, dumbbells. Tell me a little bit about that and like, how do you choose some of the different things? Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes. Okay. Um, so it's not like you're at the grocery it, store and you're like today, you know what, today I feel like shooting a coconut. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to say that that hasn't happened before. <laughs> Cause that's how it would go down uh, with my channel. <laughs> everybody's different. Right. So I, I try to do a good mix of what people might want to see. So some of the stuff is entertaining, like, blowing up a watermelon or, you know, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like that's entertaining. Have you ever tried to blow up a Mylar balloon? No. Okay. Well don't. Cause it's pretty, uh, it's pretty uneventful, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So Mylar is like those shiny, it's the shiny material, the balloons. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if you know this, I found out for the first time, but if you shoot it, it actually doesn't explode. You may not even know if you hit it, because it pierces through. It's almost like self-healing. And then eventually really? it might start to lose some air, but very slowly. And yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. All right. So I just wanted to well, put that out there. Yeah. So that you don't embarrass yourself like I did. But I try to do a mix. So my favorite stuff to do is hunting, but you can't make every video a hunting video. Because yeah. one, it'd be super expensive. Yeah. You got to. You can only hunt when, when deer season is open and all that stuff. Yeah. But I try to do some stuff that's just fun and light and educational. And then I try to do some serious stuff like we were talking about educating people on bullet drop, um, which is relevant for long range like we did in Arizona and or hunting people that hunt out west like in Colorado. They need to know, you know, if I'm going to shoot an elk at 500 yards, like how do I do it if, if you've never done it before? So some fun stuff, some educational stuff, some hunting. A lot of what I do is bolt actions, but of course we do ARs and pistols and all that stuff too. But a lot of it's around bolt action stuff. Okay, cool. And while we're talking about it, what is like a few of your favorite bolt action companies? So um, we kind of alluded to it earlier, but really my whole thing is 
it's blue collar everyday guy stuff because mm-hmm. that's, lit- that's literally what I am. So one of my goals is if you type in any cartridge that I'll, my videos will pop up like at least in the top five. So I bought a lot of guns. If you name a, a rifle cartridge, there's a 95% chance I own one because I bought one. That being said, literally what I normally do is I'll call my FFL guy and be like, Hey, I want a six, eight Western buy me the cheapest one. So, uh, mm. when I bought my six, eight Western, the cheapest one was a Winchester XPR, uh, which is a, it's a pretty good affordable $500 bolt action. So when we talk about budget rifles, there's really that three, three or four that come to people's mind. There's Ruger Americans. I've got a bunch of those cause they tend to be pretty cheap. They used to be 300 bucks. Now you can get them eh, a little under 500. Then there's Winchester XPRs. And then there's the Savage Axis. I try to stay away from those because I haven't had good luck with them. Mm, uh, the Savage Axis. Yeah. Okay. Not that they're they're good. I've had some group good, but yeah. on average, I've found I cannot shoot them as well mm-hmm. as the Rugers or the Winchesters. And then a newer one to the table is the CVA Cascades. CVA makes really good rifles. Not a lot of people have heard about those yet. And it's CVA? Yeah, CVA. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got Bergara barrels. You probably heard of Bergara. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, and I'm not sponsored by any of those people, but I've bought a whole lot of their guns. Hmm. <laughs> I like, though, that you do a lot of reviews on the stuff that's affordable, though, because guns are expensive. And even like, okay, well, this bull action, it's only 500 At the end of the day, I mean, 500 still is a lot of money. Yeah, and I mean, if I didn't do this whole YouTube thing, like, mm-hmm. I'm a deer hunter. I would probably only have one deer rifle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you don't need one of every cartridge. Yeah. But, you know, some people love collecting them. You know, I like to have a bunch of them for me. It's, it's kind of like a business thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but if I wasn't doing this whole uh, video and content thing, I'd probably only have one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes sense. Okay. So then let's talk about, and I kind of changed the subject on you, but Let's talk about how do you choose if you're going to shoot a coconut, a watermelon, a skillet, things like that. So <laughs> I'm sitting here at my desk and I, I have this piece of paper. It's a notebook. It's just my ideas. Uh-huh. So that's literally whether I'm, you know, driving in the car or sitting at my desk doing something else or about to fall asleep. Anytime something pops up in my head. I'll write it down. Well, do you have one right by the shower or by your bed? Because that's usually when my best ideas come to me. <laughs> so I I have one by the bed and I have one in my office. And, and I am terrible about forgetting things. So yeah. I'll literally run and go write it down because I'll forget it in five seconds. Uh, but a lot of times I will just sit there like on a whatever Friday morning. I'll know, hey, based on the schedule, I've got to film five videos today. I'll just off the cuff, I'll sit in my office, look at the guns, look at the ammo and just write it all down off the cuff. And okay, here's what we're going to go film today. A lot of it's unplanned, (laughs) but I mean, there's a science like what do people want to see? What do I know will get views based on my 2000 other videos, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's really at the end of the day, it's about what's going to get the views and what do people want to see? Yeah. I could do whatever I want to do, but people don't care what I want to do. They care about what they want to see. You know what I mean? Right. Let's talk about hunting. 
did you grow up shooting like hunting? No, I did not. Huh. Uh, probably we never hunted. So my dad never hunted. I mean, he did, you know, every now and again growing up or whatever. But when I was a kid, we never hunted. I got into hunting. I was a forklift driver when I was probably, I think, 20 years old mm-hmm. at a warehouse, a grocery store warehouse, Aldi's. I don't know if you have Aldi's out there. No. I was a forklift driver out on lunch, eating lunch, and this old timer was talking about deer hunting. And I just started asking him questions. And he literally told me like, hey, man, if you want to hunt, I will sell you a muzzleloader. I gave him a hundred bucks. He sold me his muzzleloader with like, you know, 10 bullets and some powder for it to get started. And he literally after work took me to a spot and said, there are deer here. If you sit here, you will kill one. And over the years, I probably shot 50 deer from that literal same spot where that old man showed me. So it was random old guy at work who got me into hunting. Dang. At the time, I didn't have any guns at all. I didn't, I didn't even have a pistol yet or, or anything. And after that, I was hooked. Dang. It's crazy, though, the uh, muzzle loader. So how long ago was this? Uh, about 15 years ago. Because you're not, I mean, I want to say we're close to probably the same age. I'm 35. Oh, yeah. We're totally, we're exactly the same age. Huh, a muzzle loader. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> Actually, to be honest with you, I've never even shot a muzzle loader. Okay, so then wait, what was the first? It was a deer that you shot. Yeah, so that year I didn't even get one. It was middle of the year, whatever. Uh-huh. The first deer I ever got, I got with a bow. Huh. So in most states, you can bow hunt before you can muzzle loader or gun hunt, just mm-hmm. be, you know. They let the bow hunters go hunting first before the guns come scare all the deer out and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the next year, I went to a pawn shop, bought a bow for 30 bucks and some arrows from Walmart. Damn. And just started practicing. So my first bow was, or my first deer was with a bow that I got for 30 bucks. Wow. And then were you by yourself when you did this? Yeah. Yeah. So did mm-hmm. you know how to like dress the deer? No. <laughs> so that that first year I got with a bow, I called that same old man who showed me that spot. He lived like five miles up the street. Uh-huh. And he came out and, and showed me one time, like, here's what you do, you know, cut it here and do this, that. Wow. Um, and from there, you know, I was good after he showed me the first time. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Huh. And I didn't even have a truck back then. There were many a deer thrown in the, the back of my BMW. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. And then I'm assuming you obviously ate the deer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huh. That's pretty incredible. Okay. So since then you've gone on all these different hunting trips, what's some of the weirdest things that you've ever hunted or that you've shot? I guess, I guess. Oh man. So my goal is to have a mount on the wall of everything which that, that gets really big, really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the stuff we have on the wall so far is whitetail, mule deer. Uh, we have some different types of rams, a red stag, if you know what that is, mm-hmm. um, black buck antelope. Um, what else? A couple fallow deer. Those are pretty wild deer. 
this year, I think we're going to be going after some buffalo and some normal antelope. Yeah. I think you have those in Colorado. Yeah, so I didn't realize that we had buffalo, but you said that there's actually, it's only, it's farms, right, that have the buffalo? Yeah, yeah, there's there's very few wild buffalo anymore, like you think of like the cowboy days yeah. or whatever. But out west, there's quite a few places that have buffalo. Like I hunted in Montana a couple of years ago. There's buffalo everywhere. So um, have you killed a buffalo before? I have not. Huh. That's got to be interesting. What caliber are you guys using for that? I haven't decided yet. I was kind of thinking about 300 PRC. Hmm. But that's that's another one of my goals is to film a hunt with every single caliber, uh, which we're working our way through the list pretty far now. But I haven't shot a deer with the 300 PRC or anything yet. So hmm. Interesting. Okay. And then wrapping it up. So any exciting future plans that you can share with listeners? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, uh, what gets me excited is the hunting stuff. So not, not everybody likes to see that, Yeah. Uh, but that's what gets me excited. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do this summer is to get far enough in my filming mm-hmm. where I have the daily videos coming out where I can just go on a bunch of hunting trips all over the place. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the word out. You got some deer you want us to come take on film and hang out. Let me know and we'll show up with some cameras and go hunting. Nice. Okay, cool. And then for people who want to check out your YouTube channel or any of your other social media, where could they find you? So we're we're pretty much on everything, but if you just type in Hootie Who, W-H-O-T-E-E-W-H-O, Hootie Who, we'll pop up. Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Okay. All right. Moving forward. So Caldwell. I'm assuming, have you ever shot at any Caldwell targets? I haven't shot at their steel, but I use a bunch of their stuff. So like I've got a lead sled that we shoot rifles from. I've got a couple of their bipods. Nice. Um, it, that that brand goes along with what we were talking about earlier. Uh-huh. Like a blue collar guy. It's not terribly expensive, but it's good stuff. Yeah, totally. I mean, even so even their steel, because steel is expensive. And I mean, you're looking at like a few hundred dollars, but they have a lot of stuff that's just even like under $50. So like the average person can afford, you know, to have steel at their range. And yeah, I mean, they just have some really cool stuff. We used their Emacs Ear Pro at the range and uh, that works pretty well. But they, yeah. The bipods, our bipods were Caldwell's too on those rifles. Uh, Yeah. So the bipods actually, that's one thing that we don't, I don't talk about as much but it's it's actually they have some really nice stuff and I don't know off the top of my head how much they go for but I know that it's under $100 which bipods yeah, I, are expensive I think off the top of my head I know their website pretty well because I get I buy a bunch of their stuff uh-huh. um, I I want to say like their cheapest bipods like 30 40 bucks wow um, and that's what I run on a lot of my bolt actions yeah and it was also just really easy to use it you know yeah. how some of these bipods are like, all right, I need like an instructions manual. Like how do you, how the hell do you, you know, put it or back? special or, tools yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, nobody has time for that crap. And you know, you gotta, you bend it back. 
you can uh, make it go smaller if you want to extend it just a little push of the button i mean it was definitely really easy to use so if you guys want to check out all of their stuff super affordable head on over to caldwellshooting.com and use the code gunfunny10 all one word that's going to get you 10 percent off your entire order today in politics politics what is going on in the world today it's political AF. No gun dealers, no guns. That appears to be Biden's plan with his policy of going after rogue gun dealers. As we suspected, since the policy was announced as nothing to do with the dealers operating illegally, it's a plan to eliminate as many gun dealers as possible. In the 11 months since the policy was announced, FFL revocations are up more than 500%. Under prior administrations, the ATF typically revoked around 50 FFLs per year, In the last year, the ATF has revoked 273 FFLs. On the surface, the new rules are simple. ATF will revoke the licenses of dealers the first time that they violate federal law by willfully the following. So transferring a firearm to a prohibited person, failing to run a required background check, falsifying records such as firearms transaction form, failing to respond to an ATF tracing request, and refusing to permit ATF to conduct an inspection in violation of the law. The zero tolerance for, quote, willful violations policy requires a new definition of willful and zero tolerance for a simple mistake as well as considering those as violations. So in other words, a very simple error, such as missing a digit on the nine-digit NICS transaction number, will get your license revoked for the very first time. They're using the smallest clerical errors as willful violations and revoking the FFL. The ATF has even accused gun dealers of not complying with trace requests because the ATF has started contracting out their trace requests and the ATF failed to update their records from the contractors. So that's pretty crappy because... If they have to do a gun trace or a trace on a person, they've now contracted that out to another company to do it. You're supposed to, you know, update if you change your uh, contact info. But if they're not getting that to the people that they contracted out, it has nothing to do with FFL. It's not like they're not returning their call. They're just not being contacted. They're doing this to support the lie that gun dealers are to blame for the rise in crime over the last two years, rather than persecutors refusing to persecute violent criminals. The Second Amendment Foundation, also known as SAF, sent a Freedom of Information Act, the FOIA, request to the ATF seeking details of FFLs that have been persecuted for willfully transferring firearms to prohibited persons and those persecuted for refusing to cooperate with tracing requests over the last three years. SAF is still waiting for a response from the ATF, which is a violation of federal law. If such rogue dealers actually existed, they would be sure to make a public example of them. We know it's an incredibly short, if not empty list, which is why they're refusing to follow the law, because the evidence does not support the narrative that gun dealers are breaking the law. What this policy is doing is basically causing a lot of FFLs to cut back on transfers. I actually know a few friends, I have my FFL, but a few friends recently just announced that they're not doing any private transfers anymore. The next time that you try to purchase a gun online, your local FFL may not want to transfer it because the small transfer fee that they get is not worth the risk of losing their license if a simple error occurs, which is unfortunate. They're basically just passing all of these little areas to you know, make 
it even more difficult for FFLs. And it's just unfortunate. And like, that's their way of kind of cracking down on, you know, trying to ban guns. Yeah, Adam. my my local FFL actually is shutting down because of that. I just said it's not worth it anymore. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. And like I said, I have a few friends, a few uh, patrons too that recently that have FFLs and they're just like, and eh, we're not doing transfers. Yeah. And usually the thing is, is I mean, I know a lot of people like to hate on the ATF, but like local ATF, depending on what state you're in, like here in Colorado, a lot of the local ATF agents are actually pretty pro gun. Like when they do, you know, like an audit or something, they're really trying to work with you as best they can so that you're just doing the paperwork properly. They're not trying to shut you down. And I know a lot of ATF agents that have gotten out because they're like, they're putting a lot of, you know, kind of a lot of stress on the agents to do stuff that isn't really, you know, like, again, it's just not morally like everybody kind of makes, you know, everyone makes a mistake here and there. It's not like, you know, people who have these federal firearms licenses are specifically not doing background checks or trying to put guns in the hands of criminals. Like we're all law abiding citizens and we're following the laws, but every now and then, you know, something happens, you might, put the wrong NYX number, like, or maybe the nine or seven looks like a one or something, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. So this is, this is a super relevant story. So I won't give too many details because they probably wouldn't be too happy about me talking it, but I actually know two ATF agents. Mm-hmm. I consider them like friends of the family type yeah. people. Yeah. And one of them just recently told me a couple of weeks ago that he was, having to audit, you know, it's just his job. You know, he's a gun guy. But mm-hmm. he, yeah, he happens to work for the ATF and he's doing his job. And they were reviewing an FFL and they found one clerical error out of thousands and thousands. And they were prosecuting that FFL. And the district attorney, I think he said who it was, told my buddy, who's an ATF agent, said, you have to come to court. And you're going to testify that this place needs to be shut down because mm-hmm. of this one clerical error out of thousands. And he told me kind of what you were uh, saying, the same thing there, that he's just doing his job, but he hates his job now because they're they're putting these people out of business for yeah. things that is ridiculous. Yeah. I know. It kind of makes me f- stress out because I'm also, you know, I have my FFL, my SOT, and it's yeah. one of those things where now I'm like, should I just go back and like, look over all, you know, everything and just make sure. I mean, and the thing is, is like most FFLs, we are very like we take this very seriously. Like, you know, the minute you get a gun in, you record it, you put it in your book, your acquisition deposition book, um, you know, it sells, you know, they put all that stuff like we're actually pretty good bookkeepers. Very few people do you hear of where it's like, you know, there's errors, but this is it's, it's a lot more involved and a lot more meticulous than most people probably realize. Oh, yeah. Then, uh, and also that most than most jobs out there. It's not just like, oh, the UPS dropped a gun, throw it in the back. It's, yeah. OK, exactly. let's sit down here and do a whole bunch of paperwork. Yeah. Every time that thing moves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine. Honestly, this whole thing is just getting out of control. I mean, it has been, but it just keeps getting worse. And I don't know. I guess, as always, guys, contact your representatives and just tell them that this is total BS, you know? 
because it sounds great on the surface. Like, oh, yeah, you know, if they sell a gun without doing a background check or if they do this, like, again, all these laws are supposed to be, you know, sound great on the surface, like, you know, quote unquote, common sense gun laws. But it's way more deep than that, you know? Yep. All right. Franklin Armory. So if you guys are going to NRA, NRA annual meetings, which takes place in Houston at the end of this month, I believe it is, oh, what is it, the 26th, 27th, and 28th? Yep. If you guys are going to that, I will be at Franklin Armory's booth Saturday and Sunday at 12 p.m. from 12 to 1, signing, this is weird, but signing pictures of myself, <laughs> a picture of myself, and uh, hats. So if you guys are interested in getting that, definitely stop by the booth. Or even if you don't want that and you just want to say hi and you just want to say, hey, listen to your show and it sucks. Hey, I'd appreciate that too. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever. As long as people show up and I'm not just sitting there with 500 pictures of myself that nobody wants, that would be great. <laughs> and then I'm also going to be at Primary Arms booth Friday at 12 o'clock too. And we're giving away an optic. So definitely stop by and say hi. But in the meantime, if you guys want a binary trigger, which Adam, have you checked out their binary triggers? I actually have one in my 1022, my Ruger 1022, uh, but dude, I haven't used it yet. Are you for real? So that's the yes. one that I want, but I'm going to sound like an idiot. I am probably the only person in the gun industry that does not have a 1022. You got to get one. I know. So I am going to buy one just because of this trigger, because who doesn't want to shoot 22 in binary mode? Exactly. That sounds like a ton of fun. But yeah, honestly, their triggers are so much fun. Definitely check it out, franklinarmory.com. If you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A. Saw you went to Gunsight. Would you recommend it? Adam, was this your first time at Gunsight or have you been there before? I had never been there, and honestly, I really had never even heard of it. Yeah, so same, actually. So I've heard of Front Sight, which is in Nevada, I think. When I first started training, when I first got my instructor credentials, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, you got to go to Front Sight, and it's like a membership, and, you know, you pay, and you can go, you can take as many classes as you want. And honestly, I feel like a lot of that stuff is like really kind of faded out because there's so many great instructors now that you don't have to travel out of state. Or if you do, it's like you want to take a class with an instructor like Warrior Poet. You know, he happens to be in the next state over and you want to take a class with him because you just think, you know, he teaches well and he seems like he knows what he's talking about. But yeah, so I'd never heard of Gunsight, but apparently this is like where training essentially took place like this was the first place to ever like teach other people how to shoot and there's a lot of history with it and i always appreciate history but i will say i was not really impressed with it and it could have just been my experience and i'm sure if you know other people went on a different week with different employees they probably would have had a better or a different experience but here's my takeaway and I don't want my opinions or views to reflect Adam's. So if I'm talking poorly and Gunsight comes after me, just so you know, this is my opinion, maybe not Adam's, depending on, I don't know. 
but <laughs> I personally would not recommend it. Let's just start from day one. So day one, the owner comes in when we're signing the waivers and well, actually let's backtrack from that. So the waiver, so they emailed us and they said that they need the following. And at first I thought it was one of everything and I kind of freaked out, but it was a receipt from a gun that you bought within the last year. If you had like, if you can go through the airport, you know, through the security free check or something. Yeah. If you have that, if you had, what was carry it? Permit was one. Yeah. Concealed carry permit. It was just like a few other things, but at first I thought that they wanted everything. And I was like, first of all, I do not have pre-check as much as I travel. I should, but I just never have the time to do it. And then, you know, I need to do it. But I was like, nothing for nothing. But I'm like, that's like overreach. Like it's none of their damn business. Like what gun I bought in the last year. But then it was actually, I reread it and it was like two of the following. So it was your ID and then like one of the following. But even then I was like, why do I need to give them? I'm not going to give them a copy of my concealed carry permit. Like, I still think that's none of their business. I can understand maybe why they were doing it. They wanted to make sure that none of us had like a criminal background check. But if that's the case, then like right when we get there, why don't we just do background checks instead of asking for that information, which I still think that stuff would be pretty easy to, you know, I mean, I could just take a receipt book and write up like a fake receipt of a gun that I bought, which I was thinking I was like, oh, I should write up my last that my last gun was like a high point or something (laughs) that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I thought that was kind of overreach. But then when we got there and we were signing out more waivers, which I get nowadays, everyone sues everyone. You want to make sure that, you know, you're legally covered so I can understand that. But the owner, he comes in and he gives this whole spiel on how they're financially invested just as much as, you know, all the other sponsors that brought us here. And don't forget to tag them or include them if we write articles or, you know, make videos or any of that stuff. Which it would have just been cool if he was just like, hey, guys, don't forget, you know, we'd appreciate it. But he went on this whole spiel of like, you know, you forget once, you know, fool me once, you know, whatever, but twice, shame on me, blah, blah, blah. It just goes on and on about how we need to tag them and basically put them in good light. And I was just like, okay, that's kind of cringe. And also, I joked with another person because he had that buzzed like that buzzed military haircut. (laughs) I was like, basically, I can sum you up just based on your haircut. (laughs) I wasn't really a fan of the owner. And everybody that worked there was, I'm not even kidding, they had to have been 70 plus, which I very much respect my elders, but it kind of seemed very fuddy to me. But I also have heard from other people that, you know, they do have people that come out, other instructors, and they teach them, you know, all the updated stuff, latest and greatest stuff, you know, whatever. But it just felt like, I don't know, even if that being the case, like their mentality was still very much stuck in things that, you know, used to be popular like 20 years ago. And then also they go on this whole spiel about how if you basically, what was it? Like, if you don't agree with like safety, you know, whatever, if somebody tells you not to do something, you want to put up a fight, that's fine. They love to, you know, fight back and blah, blah. And I, again, I was just like, you guys could have just left it as like, hey, you know, if you don't respect, you know, our safety rules, we're going to ask you to leave. But instead they were like kind of egotistical about it. Like we love putting up fights. We'll, you know, we'll fight you, whatever. And I thought that was kind of like off-putting. But the biggest thing is one of the instructors, or maybe he was an instructor, just like an RSO, but he was the one who was calling the shots when we were shooting long range. But he, to me, he was so freaking rude. And just the comments that he made, 
it was just a reminder of like, you know, when you're learning something new and you're kind of stressed out and it's like obviously kind of foreign to you. And I was sort of nervous about shooting ammo that I personally put together, which they, you know, I mean, you always hear all these horror stories or you see stuff, which normally it's because they put the, you know, incorrect uh, caliber in or maybe they loaded it too hot, which they assured me, you know, we can't load it. You know, we can't put too much, even if we filled it up with the top with gunpowder, nothing's going to happen. But it was a learning experience for me. And with like the range safety officer or the instructor, whatever, you know, little things that he was like the little jabs that he was making, I could have done without. And I just felt like it wasn't as a relaxed environment. And I was just reminded as to like why people typically want to learn from maybe females or people that have less egos. But then I got to say, like, not all of them were like that because there was another guy that was really helpful. I think his name was Gary and he was really helpful and respectful. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Would I travel there or go there again? No. I think even if there's going to be another sponsored event and I've heard other um, influencers say this, that they're not going to go there again. And I won't say names, but I don't really think that I would go, to be honest with you. I mean, it was a really beautiful facility and... It was fun to shoot on, but I don't know. I just think that there's just too many great instructors. And I'm not saying me specifically because I very much like specialize in beginning instruction. But as far as like advanced shooting and stuff, I mean, I just feel like there's so many great instructors out there that I don't know. I wouldn't recommend it. That's my whole takeaway from it. And Adam, like I said, you could agree or disagree. And maybe I just, you know, was too sensitive. I don't know. No, I mean, I got similar vibes from the same people, but I mean, everybody's got their their own perspective and experience, right? So somebody from the military yeah, might have really liked those guys because that's what their background was. You know what I mean? True. Absolutely. Uh, if they had some kind of hillbilly from Tennessee teaching the class, he probably would have buddied up with me. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding, right? Time, yeah. <laughs> and we would have been like, oh my gosh, this guy is so stupid and he's just like a hick. He's a total redneck. And you'd be like, I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, and think, I mean, thinking about it, if I own the place, right? Well, mm-hmm. would I would I hire some hillbilly to teach long range or would I hire some, you know, veteran from the military? That probably makes more sense. You yeah. Know I, mean? so, I don't I, I think... Knock them, but at the same time, I got the similar vibes that you did. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and I also, I kind of hate that people are like, because recently, oh, somebody wrote this thing about me on social media and they gave me a D rating and they were like, well, first of all, she doesn't have any law enforcement or military background. She doesn't shoot competition, which clearly they didn't do their homework because I have shot competition, but I used a different name. But their research obviously wasn't that great because it's pretty easy to figure out. And it was one of, I just kind of hate that, like, you're not, you know, you shouldn't be teaching if you don't have that background, especially when I'm teaching, you know, the basics. And I've done a lot of, I think I've done a lot of good for people that the first time that they've ever held a gun because I can understand exactly what they feel. I mean, I only shot my first gun 10 years ago and it was terrifying, like holding a gun in my hand was kind of just like, oh, like your heart rate just increases because you're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. And you know that like if you press the wrong thing, you know, an accident could happen and it's terrifying. Yeah. I don't know. I guess. And I also would have liked to have seen them 
hire maybe younger people and maybe they do have younger people. And it was just that week that we were there, but I didn't really see any younger people. And then also this is kind of funny, but I don't think that these are the classes that they teach all the time, but they were teaching a class for 1911s. You had to have a 1911 and a leather holster. And I'm like, well, yeah. if that's if that's not very fitting for, you know, this place. But I think it was just I don't think that they typically teach classes like that. And as a result, that class attracted just a lot of like older people. And I also was kind of thinking that, like, watch like 30 years from now, we're going to be, you know, like, oh, cool. They're teaching a class where you could have your polymer pistol with a Kydex holster and who knows how oh, things are going to no. change. And we're all excited about it. We're like, yeah, cool. This week, it's Palmer Pistol with the Kydex holster. Like, can you imagine? And then things just change so much that this is like yep. what we're into. Who knows? Yep. All right. IWI. IWI recently announced the new Masada Slim. It's IWI's entry to the high-capacity micro-carry market. I'm really excited to check this out. It looks a lot like the full-size Masada, but it's just a little bit smaller, thinner, you know, for discrete carry. Like the full-size Masada, the Slim has a ton of features for a great price. It's optic-ready with irons that you can co-witness through any of the Shield, Romeo Zero, or Holosyn 507K compact red dots. It has a crisp, flat-faced trigger, comes with two 13-round mags, best part is it's only $450. It's significantly less than a lot of the micro compact pistols on the market. Actually, I don't know if it's on their website just yet because it's not out yet. They're going to show it at NRA, but I don't think that it's actually going to be available on the market for a few months. Stay tuned. But in the meantime, you guys can definitely check out all of their other stuff. And if you find any accessories that you like in their web store, remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off your entire order. And that is IWI.us. Today in Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. AR FCG for MP5. Lee Sporting. Have you ever heard of Lee Sporting? I don't think so. I don't think I have either. It kind of sounds familiar, but I don't really, I don't know. I don't, maybe I haven't heard of the company. They just released a new sporting trigger group for the MP5. The really unusual thing about it is that they use an AR trigger group and a grip. So it completely changes the ergonomics of the MP5 since you can use any AR grip, safety, or trigger. It's kind of a total game changer if you've ever wanted a more comfortable grip and better trigger on your MP5. The trigger group still uses an MP5 ejector, but it's modified a bit to fit in the new housing with the AR trigger. The Lee group comes with a 3.5 pound rise armament trigger and a Magpul MOE grip. The whole trigger group is over four ounces lighter than the factory HK1. One of the coolest things about it is the ergonomics are better with the new grip since your grip is slightly, I guess, further forward and closer to the center of the gravity of the gun. One small drawback in the initial design was the trigger guard. It ends up being a little close to the paddle release, if you have one, but with the improved grip placement, you can easily reach the side release just like an AR. Lee has since modified the design on the trigger guard to allow for a paddle release to function. 
You can order them in dark gray or black for $425, which is really pretty good compared to like the standard HK group, which is around $400 to $500. So I don't know. So yeah, they came up with that. So that's kind of cool, especially if you guys are into the, you know, the AR components. GSM Outdoors. guys, GSM Outdoors, which is Walker's, Birchwood Casey, Cold Steel, GPS Bags, Tech Mat, and True Glow. I am not going to be renewing them. I'm sure you guys noticed that there's quite a few more new sponsors on the show and some of them overlap. So it's not going to be this filled with sponsors at the end of, well, come June 1st. So you guys have two more weeks to use the code GUNFUNNY20, all one word, and you're going to get 20% off any of those brands. I'm not sure how long the code's going to be active after our contract's up, but I'm just putting that out there. So if you guys are interested, again, Walkers, Birchwood Casey, Cold Steel, GPS Bags, Tech Mat, or True Glow, definitely take advantage of getting that 20% off. Today's AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Florida man arrested for calling 911. Jacob Philbeck from, I don't know what this, Pinales County, Florida. He's facing charges for misusing 911. He was arrested on May 8th after calling 911 three times in an hour. In his calls, he asked for Biden to be arrested and drug kingpin El Chapo to be freed. After his first call, he was told the information that he was providing was a non-emergency situation and was warned not to make similar 911 calls. He called again and said President Biden needs to be placed in prison. El Chapo needs to be freed. After the third call, deputies paid him a visit at 6 a.m. and he actually was on the phone with 911 when they arrived. They arrested him for misusing the 911 system and reported that there was an indication of alcohol influence. Phil Beck was released after posting a $150 bond. Yeah. So basically don't drunk dial 911 guys, but I can't help but think this kind of reminds me of somebody similar. So one of my advertisers is dealing with a crazy person. They ordered something from him. He wanted a refund. They gave him a refund, but he's pretending like he didn't get this refund. And honestly, whether he got it or not, I even told this company, I was like, I would have kept the freaking money at this point because of just all of the aggravation that he's causing. So he's created a Facebook group that is doing a countdown for how long he's waiting until he gets his refund. He's the only oh. one in the, he's the only one in this group and he just keeps commenting and talking to himself. He started blowing up my Facebook pages, so Ava Flannell and Gun Funny, both Facebook pages, basically saying that, you know, these commies won't give him back a refund, blah blah blah. So this has been going on for a few days. I totally forgot about it. I meant to tell the sponsor what was going on, but you know, you deal with crazy all the time. I'm sure you do too. So I kind of forgot about it. And then the other day, this freaking jackass calls me at like 7 a.m. I didn't answer because I was like, oh, it's probably a telemarketer. It leaves a voicemail about how, you know, this company still hasn't given a refund and I mean, the guy sounds drunk and then he's naming off all these other companies like Bushmaster, commies, blah, 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 commies. Like I, I have to listen to it again, but it's like 
the funniest but yet freakiest thing because now he's coming after me and I'm like, what the hell? Like, I'm just sponsored by them. I don't know what's going on with your stupid refund. You sound like you're psycho. And I'm kind of glad that they gave you a refund that you didn't end up getting the product because I don't think you should even have the product. But anyway, so I, I told the advertiser and submitted all of the like screenshots and stuff that he wrote and sent him the a copy of the voicemail because now they're taking legal action because this guy's like nuts. Uh. But I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I just feel like people are getting crazier and crazier. And like, honestly, 2020 did something to people like them staying in their house. <laughs> I don't know. Yep. I feel like they lost their mind. Yep. But that's what this reminds me of. But yeah, guys, don't be idiots and drunk dial 911. Manicore Arms. If you're looking for a muzzle break for just about anything, really, you need to check out the Night Break from Manicore Arms. It's one of my favorites because it reduces muzzle rise and recoil in one device, and it looks good, to which we all know looks are important. It has 18 ports on the upper half of the brake and no ports on the bottom to prevent dust blowing up. So if you're shooting prone, one of the great things about it is they make it for tons of stuff. So you can get it with the half by 28, the 5 8 by 24 threads, as well as for AKs like 24 millimeter, all of that good stuff. The Yugo Crank, the PAP, really, like I said, they make it to fit pretty much any thread or caliber. Best part is they're only $64.95, which is pretty affordable for a good muzzle device. So check that out at mirrorcorearms.com. Remember to use the code AVAROCKS15. That's all one word. And that's going to get you 15% off. And today's iTunes reviews, Adam, I'm going to have you pick either the first or the second review, whichever one you think is the best. First one is Dan episode 244 review. Five stars. Great info every time. Great guests and conversations. Very recommended for all listeners. It's one of my favorite go-to listen during work on my phone. Keep frosty. Next is Cameron Gun Funny Review, five stars. I started binge listening to Gun Funny, amazing podcast hosts and guests. If I listened on iTunes, I would leave a review every time, but Spotify doesn't let me. I love your content. Keep up the great work. Those are both good. They are. I'm going with the first one, Dan, just because he said keep frosty. Okay. All right, Dan. So contact me. Go to gunfunny.com. Click on the contact us link and send me a good shipping address. And for anyone who doesn't have an iPhone, you can download iTunes on your computer, create an account, leave a review. It helps me out greatly because it just helps to you know recommend the show to people more by the app. So if you do, so it's greatly appreciated. Finally, time to wrap up. So you can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything on there social media, affiliate links. If you want to become a Patreon, so if you like the show and you want to support it, you can do so by going to gunfunny.com. Also want to thank our $25 Patreons, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8088, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Melissa Writings, and King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Adam, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with me. I know you're super busy, so I do appreciate you making the time. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on YouTube and social media? Yeah, hootie hoo, W-H-O-T-E-E, W-H-O, we're everywhere. I appreciate you having me on. I could talk about this stuff all day. Oh, I know, me too. All right, cool. Well, I guess I'll see you at NRA show. And on that note, guys, we're out of here. 
Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.